Hey, everybody, good evening. We are here day 28 of, that just, that just sounds cool saying day, day 28 of 50 days of preparation. Man, I'm so proud of you guys. I'm hearing different reports from different people. Some of you are, are current, you're up to date, and you're watching the videos, and you're, you're up to date, and you're good to go. And I love hearing the testimonies and reports of, of things that God is sharing uh, with you and showing you. And I've been talking to some people that they're, they're back like in the first week, in week one. And I'm like, just, hey, don't quit. Just don't quit. Keep going. If you're, if this is, if you're watching this video and you've just come across it, go back to day one. Uh, you can maybe, you know, watch two videos a day, one in the morning, one at night. And if you can put up with me that much and bear my spelling and, and any other annoying thing about me, my drawing or whatever, if you can put up with that, watch one in the morning, one at lunch, whatever, just no more than two a day. Um, and, and you can, you can go and, and, and the Lord will just accelerate your time and it'll be, it'll be really good. Uh, so Rick Clendenin still doing better and better and better, just believing for him. And, and thank you for all your prayers for that. And this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. And so at noon, there's going to be a Zoom call, a prayer Zoom call for everybody, you know, in our region that, that wants to join. Uh, we're going to try to get that, that link um, uh, made on our website or made on our Facebook page. Uh, but if you're interested in that and you want to be a part of that National Day of Prayer Zoom call at noon this Thursday for our region, uh, then they got plenty of space. They've got uh, they got a, a room in, in Zoom up to like 500 people. But if you want to be a part of that, uh, the best thing to do right now until we get the link put up on our Facebook page is to um, email info at faithcenter.tv and tell them, I want to be on the prayer call. Just, I want to be on that Zoom prayer call, National Day of Prayer prayer call, and we'll forward you, we'll email you and forward you the link to that. We're trying to figure out how to make it to where you can just go click on it. But right now that seems like to be the simplest way to join on that. And so we'd love to see you, see you a on there, and we're also praying and working about how to come back and how to have services, and and we're, we're working all that. So there'll be information to come on all those things, and and so uh, tonight, um, there's two things I want to share with you. Uh, in day 28, I want to follow up with what I started last night, and guys, all these things about about. We've been talking about grace, and it seems like we've kind of paused in this thing about knowing that we're no longer under the law, but we are under grace and unpacking what it means to walk by grace through faith and unpacking righteousness versus unrighteousness and uh, promise versus performance and the grace confessions of I am and I have and I can and I will. I'm telling you, that stuff will transform you. It will it will radically transform your life at the speed you apply it. And, and as you apply it, I'm telling you, the, the word of God that you learn to apply will transform your life. And all of that's going to be needed here in a couple days when we go back into Exodus and start talking about um, the journey from Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. As we talk about that, 
it, you know, it, it's going to be valuable for you to take all these things that I'm teaching you now and apply them in that journey, in your Exodus journey, because God has you on a journey. God has you in a process. God is shaping you and preparing you for a purpose and for a promise, for a promised land where you get to function on all eight cylinders of what Christ has given you. That's the promised land. And, and so, so we're going to need to have these things in our heart so that we can apply them when we get back to the Exodus journey. And then we, we go from Passover to Pentecost, believing for a harvest. And I know you're believing for a harvest. God is bringing increase, even through difficult times. He's bringing increase. So tonight, I want to continue to talk about how to confess sin. Doesn't sound like an exciting topic, but I want to show you some things that radically changed my life a number of years ago. And I want to start with a little reminder. So go to John chapter 16, where Jesus is at the Last Supper and he's teaching the disciples about the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit who is going to come live inside of them. Because Jesus was going, going back to heaven and the Holy Spirit was going to live inside of them. And, and I taught you some things about that. So let's look at it real quick. John chapter 16, uh, starting in verse uh, 8. John 16, starting in verse 8. And when he uh, has come, meaning the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And then he breaks it down. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Talking there to the disciples. And verse 11, and of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So real simple, what we are, are talking about here is the they speaking to the world, speaking to unbelievers, those who are below the line. Those, those who are not born again are not saved. And if you remember my teaching from the last few days below the line, you know, in the, in the temporal, in the in the in the physical, in the natural world and that they're not born again. So so they they who are pridefully or and ignorantly believing self-righteousness is enough or that they're good enough or that they don't need God or whatever, that they can make it to heaven on their own. They're, they're, they're good enough. They, they do more good than bad. And they have a, uh, their, their self-righteousness or whatever. They, they try to establish themselves by self-righteousness. They're believing the lie that they don't, they're not sinners. They're good people. And so the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, confronts the lie that we believe or anybody's believing and replaces that lie with the truth because he's the spirit of truth. And so they, I believe, represents the world and he's he's replacing the lie that they are good enough with the with the truth of they are in sin and they are slaves to sin and they need a savior to save them from their sin. And so then he talks about to the disciples, as he speaks to the disciples, he says, he doesn't say they, he says you. And that he's speaking to the disciples, those who believe in him. And I believe that speaks to the church. And he convicts the church, the saints, the believers of God, the children of God, he convicts them of righteousness. So 
I know we say the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin, but specifically and technically he confronts your sin and he corrects you. He, cor- he confronts you in love in order to co- correct you. And while he's correcting you, he's convicting you of your righteousness. He's helping you remember who he is because Christ is your righteousness. He is your, you're not your righteousness. Your behavior is not your righteousness. So the Holy Spirit is convicting you and, and convicts the church that Christ is your righteousness. So his righteousness is your righteousness. Because your life is hid in him. He is your righteousness. He's made you righteous. And so from a place of righteousness, you have righteousness, peace, and joy that is released. The kingdom of God released in you and through you. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And so the Holy Spirit is not convicting you about sin because that word convict means to convince. It means to passionately and it means to present compelling evidence to persuade. So when when the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin, he is giving them compelling evidence of the law to show them that they are sinners in need of a savior. And once they see that and they believe in Christ, they move above the line, no longer under the law, now in grace. And now in grace, the Holy Spirit does not convict us of sin. The Holy Spirit confronts our sin, but he confronts our sin to correct us, to remind us and convince us with the compelling evidence of Christ's righteousness that is in our spirit to remind us that we are righteous as he's confronting and correcting our sin. He's convicting us that you're righteous. I'm going to explain this here in a little bit more in a second. And then to the ruler of the world, Satan, means Satan, is, is, hey, you're judged. You're already judged. You're not winning this game. There's not going to be an overtime. You're not going to pull out a Hail Mary. You, you think you're going to win. Your, your pride has blinded you and deceived you. You think you're getting away with something. You think you're going you're gonna to win some kind of battle at the end of this. You know, you're already judged. It's done. It's done. And so the Holy Spirit confronts the lie that each one believes replaces it with the truth. Because when we as Christians, as believers in Christ, when we sin, your soul, your emotional attitude, and your actions will lie to you. And you'll feel like, oh, I'm a sinner. Man, I just, I keep sinning. Again, you start looking at your, you start looking and evaluating your life, who you are based on what you do. Now, you have a, you have a responsibility in grace to steward the grace God's given you, which what that means is grace empowers you for obedience. But the thing you you need the least is to beat yourself up and to think less of yourself. See, as a Christian, 
If you sin and then because you sin, you think less of yourself like, man, I'm a terrible person. Man, I'm not even a good Christian. The enemy's lying to you. You're lying to you. And you just feel terrible. Man, why can't I defeat this? I keep struggling with this. I keep wrestling with this. Why can't I defeat this sin? And and all of a sudden that your 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 fleshly mindset and and the, the your body with all its triggers and all that kind of stuff and it, its appetites begin to lie to you and you begin to believe, you begin to believe that you're not righteous. So what you need at that time is is a reminder, a passionate convincing of the Holy Spirit showing you compelling evidence that you are righteous and and that your righteousness is not based on your actions. Your righteousness is based on on how you put faith in Christ and he made you righteous. Now he made you righteous so you can release righteousness and the fruit of his spirit through your life. But the reality is the sin that easily entangles us here and here does not entangle us here. Does not change who we are. And and when we sin as Christians and we feel like, oh, man, I'm a terrible. This is all. And we let condemnation, guilt and shame come upon us because we're terrible people. And then we need to punish our sin. We need to punish our sin because it, 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 it deserves to be punished. Then what happens is that is that is taking the grace of God in vain. That's falling from grace when we start trying to perform in in order to uh, establish our righteousness. Because your righteousness is never established by works. It's always established by faith, a faith that works. And and so the, the reality is when we punish ourselves and judge ourselves and begin to condemn ourselves, because we're just terrible people and terrible Christians. We start beating ourselves up, get angry at ourselves. Here's what we're doing. And we, we start convicting ourselves of sin. What ends up happening is it's actually dishonoring to the Lord. Because what we're saying is what Jesus did at the cross didn't work. We're saying his blood is not enough. We're saying his righteousness is not enough. So that's why we need to be by the Holy Spirit. He convicts the church of righteousness because on that day when you sin or the the day after or whatever, and you're struggling, you're like, oh, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according to to the spirit and not according to the flesh. So I'm not going to let my flesh lead me. Matter of fact, the only reason a believer sins is because they let their flesh lead them and they stop walking in the spirit. So we have access by the Spirit of God to walk in obedience 24-7-365. We have that kind of access. And when we sin, the Holy Spirit comes to us. Man, this really, this, this helped me to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life so much. Because the voice of the Spirit used, was telling me that I'm righteous. And I, and I was like rebuking it. Like, no, I'm bad. I'm terrible. Oh, look at this evidence of, look at this evidence of sin in my body and sin in my soul. Oh, look, and I would beat myself up feeling like that was the righteous thing to do and the godly thing to do. That God is surely mad at me for failing again. 
And the truth is, I couldn't even hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because it's, it was it was against what I believed the Bible taught. And then when I saw this in the Word of God, it was like, oh my goodness. And I started hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I started, you know, that when I did sin, he would confront me in love. I mean, confront me and rebuke me. But it was always in love and it was always reminding me, correcting me and convincing me that John Aiken, you are a new man in Christ. Christ in me. Christ is in you. You are righteous. You are righteous. Don't forget who you are. Remember, his righteousness is your righteousness. And when that started happening inside of me, I sensed like a, a, a can opening and, and this thing opening up inside of me of like releasing the righteousness, realizing that my sin, my past, present and future sin was punished on Jesus and in Jesus. So I don't need to punish myself. I do need to take responsibility. And so if you look over at first John and towards the back of the Bible, uh, you, you see in 1 John uh, some really cool things here. And the whole chapter, I encourage you to read the whole chapter because um, it talks about fellowship. And we'll pick up here, let's pick up here in verse, um, the whole thing's good. Let's pick up in verse uh, 3. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. That word fellowship is kononia. It is a very intimate, tight-knit, pure fellowship of intimacy with, with another person. In this, in this context, it's their fellowship is with God, and, and we are included into that fellowship. It is a, it is the, it's a fellowship is a, it's a covenant word. It's a covenant relationship, and it is Intimacy on its purest and deepest level. It is a love-based relationship. And so, so our fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now keep reading. This is the message that we heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now that word darkness speaks to evil. It speaks to things of uh, a spiritual blindness. It speaks to sin, uh, ignorance, and just evil. It speaks to, you know, uh, uh, someone that's distorted and blinded. That's what darkness says. There's no darkness in him at all. And, and, and so he goes on in verse six. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, meaning in the spirit, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, a lot of people teach we have fellowship with one another like like me and, and you. And that's true. That fellowship extends to that. I think it first speaks to fellowship with one another. Us and God, that we are fellowshipping in the spirit with God. And, and that spiritual fellowship extends into our soul and extends into our body. And our soul and our body are filled and satisfied 
with a heavenly fellowship with God. And that's what I think he's talking about first and foremost. And then that fellowship spills over to one another. But our first fellowship is with the Lord. So we walk in the light, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us of all sin. Now watch this. Watch how he turns. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, keep reading. It's a chapter break, but keep reading. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. What's the vision and passion? What's the goal? What's what's grace trying to teach us? That we don't have to sin. But it also says, it's just so cool how it ties it all together. It also says, but if you say you don't sin and you haven't sinned, you're lying. Because we all do have sin, but we're all called to walk, you know, towards sin free living. And it says in verse um, chapter two, uh, Verse one, my little children, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is our righteousness. So when we are convicted of righteousness, we're not convicted of our sin. He's confronting our sin by convincing us that Jesus Christ is our righteousness and he made us righteous. That's our starting point. That's where we begin to think from. We get messed up when we, when sin, emotions of sin, attitudes of sin, or actions of sin, when sin is our starting point, we're not kingdom living. Grace empowers us to start from the Spirit. And the, so the Holy Spirit's convicting us, remember, remember you're righteous. And, and just look at what he says here. The righteous, verse 2. And he himself is our propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And that word know is mean fellowshipping with him. We know we are in, in fellowship with him if we are keeping his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, or if you're in love with me, if you're, if you're functioning in... if." If you're functioning in a love relationship with him, then you are keeping his commandments. His spirit is empowering you to walk in obedience. Uh, but whoever keeps his, his commandments, hang on, verse 4. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. And then look at this verse. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walks. So this thing, we should walk just as he walked. And there's that training of retraining the brain and retraining the body, retraining the mind to remember who we are. So, so when you sin and you want to confess sin, two things are true. It's like a two-sided coin. 
in Christ, by grace, through faith, your past, present, and future sins are already forgiven here. Already forgiven here. So when you sin and you're asking God for forgiveness, you're not talking about any, a, a salvation thing. You don't lose your salvation if you sin and now you got to get it. You, like, I lost my righteousness and now I got to get it, get it back. It's, 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 it's not that. It's not I lost my righteousness and now I need to get it back. Please make me righteous. Lord, I confess the sin so you make me righteous again because, man, I'm, I'm really unrighteous. No, what you he convicts you and convinces you that you are righteous. So when you're confessing sin, two things have to happen. Confess means to say the same thing as. And so you need to say, first of all, what God says about you. And then you need to speak the truth about sin, sin that is affecting your emotions and affecting your mind and sins that are affecting your actions and affecting your body. And so. He confronts us to correct us and convinces us, convicts us of our righteousness. So when I sin, you know, like once a year when I sin, what happens is that I go before the Lord and how I confess sin has changed. I don't beat myself up and I don't feel terrible and I don't go through this cycle of depression and guilt and condemnation and shame and, 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 and punish myself and got to read three chapters and do, do, you know, 10 push-ups in order to be made righteous again. The Holy Spirit has, has helped me and he'll help you in how to confess sin. So for me, what I do is I go boldly to the throne of grace in my time of need, Hebrews 4. And I come to him and I begin to just say, Father, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I am a new creation in Christ. I thank you that you have made me righteous. And I start there. The Bible says in the Old Testament, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up. And so I say, Lord, I thank you that you've made me righteous. I thank you. And Father, I confess to you this sin. And this sin is not me. And it's not you. It really doesn't please me. And I know it doesn't please you. Father, I, am, I, I confess my sin. I forgot who I was. And so I confess, God, that this sin, this sin in my soul and this sin in my body is not what I want. It's not who I am. And I repent of this sin right now. I take it off of me and I remind myself that I am righteous and I thank you, God. I thank you and I speak to you sin and I tell you, no, I don't want you. I speak to my flesh and I deny my flesh and I say, no, flesh, you will serve God. Flesh, John Aiken, you are created in God's image and God's likeness. You are recreated and born again by the Spirit of God and God is using your life. Sin has nothing for you and I begin to just confess. I confess my sin from a place of righteousness and I confess, I say what God says about me, meaning I am righteous and I say what God says about my sin. That's dumb. Why would I want that? Well, sin is so pleasurable. Sin, yeah, sin brings pleasure to your fallen, to, the, to the, the part of you that was trained by your old nature. And you say, sin, man, sin is fun. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. But sin doesn't really satisfy. Sin doesn't make you whole. Sin is the thing that's destroying your life. 
Sin is a thing that's eroding your life. And when you begin to see the righteousness of God compared to unrighteousness and sin, then you begin to be, for me, it changed me. And I begin to rewrite upon my heart with those I am statements and the I have statements and the I can statements and now the I will statements. I begin to rewrite on my heart. And I would say to certain sins that that kept reoccurring in my life, I would say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. God, I thank you. I would confess, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I thank you, Lord, for your righteousness righteousness in me. I am righteous. So now from that place of dominion, I would say I have the ability to do right. I have the ability to do right. And I would then begin to say, uh, uh, I can walk in righteousness. And I would speak specifically about whatever sinful area it is in my life. I can do right. I want to do right. I don't want sin. I don't approach it from a perspective, man, I really want to sin, but God's going to get mad at me if I do. So, oh, I really want it, but oh, I can't have it. No, 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 no. That's an unrighteous confession. That's a, that's a law-based confession. That's a sinner's confession. A grace confession is I don't want what sin has to offer me. Uh, my body wants it, and even my, my emotions may want it, but I am not my body. It's temporary. I am not my emotions. They're temporary. I am eternal. I'm an eternal being recreated in Christ. And I don't want that. I don't want sin. Sin, the spotlight has been shined on you. I know who you are and I don't want you. And I begin to rewrite on my heart uh, and recategorize the sin that was affecting my life to, to show it for what it really is. And this is like, you know what? I don't want that nonsense. I don't want it. It ain't going to satisfy me. It's not going to please me. What's going to please me is God, the joy of the Lord. And so this whole chapter is about when you confess sin, you are actually confessing you are righteous. And that sin is not part of your identity, so it should not be a part. It's not part of your identity. It should not be a part of your reality. And what that does when you confess righteousness and confess that you are righteous what, and, and you're going to walk in the light and you don't want to walk in darkness, what it does is it restores your fellowship with the Lord. It restores that intimacy with the Lord. And, and it's like, because if you if you come with the law, I'm telling you, the law will close will close the door on the spirit of God moving through you. And you'll try to do it. You'll try to figure it out. You'll try to make things right. And that's just a waste of time. But by grace, you confess who you are in Christ. Remember who he is. Remember who you are in him, who he is in you. And from there, you take responsibility in your relationship with God. And you remove the thing that's breaking your fellowship. If I was coming to kiss my wife and, and, and I wanted to kiss her and show her I love her and you stepped in between her and I, then you are interrupting our fellowship. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to remove you. I'm going to remove you to restore fellowship with my wife. And when sin creeps up in your emotions and when sin creeps up in the triggers in your body, And the things that you've always done, you think it's you 
And that's what's crippling you. That's not you. Those triggers and those temptations and those emotions that are pulling you and driving you, that's not you. You're being lied to. You're being hijacked. Somebody's stepping in between you and the kiss of God in your life. You need to remember who you are. You need to remember who he is. You need to confess, I am righteous and I don't want that unrighteousness. Sin is not what I want. So when I confess sin, I confess it from a place of righteousness. And I confess that that's not who I am. That's not what I want. And I put it off and I call it for what it is. That, I don't want that. That's, you're, you're trying to hijack me. You're trying to step in between me and my fellowship with my God. Because when I start fellowshipping with God, you think sin is pleasurable? You think sin's got something for you? Have you ever spent time, and and when you begin to do this and seek the Lord and begin to retrain your soul and the attitudes of your heart and you retrain your body and the appetites of your flesh to seek Him? I'm telling you, there's food that you don't know about. And there's joy that you don't know about. And when you go to him, he will fill you. He will refuel you. He will help you. He will empower you. And it'll change your life. So when you confess sin, you should confess sin. Not to be forgiven here because you're already forgiven here. But to remove the hindrance from here. So that the fellowship of the Lord can go through your entire being. You remember who you are. And now what, what happened in me, I know I'm going a little bit long tonight, but what happened in me is when I started confessing righteousness more, I ended up confessing less sin because I sinned less. And so now I, I enter the day with a confession of grace and a confession of righteousness. And what I found is that I have less confession of sin because I'm... I'm confessing righteousness more and I'm sensing him and his presence in my life uh, more often. Uh, And even in the times when it's hard and it's dry, I still confess because I believe and therefore I speak. So I want to pray over you. And then uh, tomorrow, Norman, I give you a new verse uh, on Tuesday night. uh, But I'm going to wait till tomorrow to give you this next week's verse. Uh, I know what verse it is, but I want you to think about this verse. Read 1 John and read it and let the fellowship of the Lord be restored into your life. And if there's sin that you need to confess, call sin what it is. Sin is sin. Sin is darkness. Sin is evil. Sin is ungodly. Sin is not God's best for you. Sin is a lie. If you are enjoying sin more than you are enjoying God, you have been robbed from. You have been lied to. And God wants to restore himself in your life. And you do it by confessing sin from a place of righteousness. The Lord will help you. The Holy Spirit will help you. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for everyone watching. I thank you that you've made us righteous. You've made us righteous. And, Father, by your spirit, we ask for fresh conviction of your righteousness within us. You are our righteousness. You've made us righteous. And through the perspective of your righteousness, help us to confess sin. 
not only to you, but help us to confess sin to one another so that your healing will happen, so that your cleansing will happen through our life. You will cleanse us. You will cleanse us from the filth, from the contaminants that are in, in us. We thank you that when we confess sin before you from a place of righteousness, your righteousness in us cleanses us of the residue of that sin. And you purify us and you, you make us um, clean in our soul and in our body. So, Lord, we thank you for your cleansing power. And we thank you for your grace at work in our life. And I pray your blessing on everyone watching. Teach them how to rightly confess sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. We'll see you tomorrow. I'll give you your new verse.